So we're looking at Jesus, what he does, how he looked at people, what he saw, and how he responded to that. There's a second part to that as well, because each and every one of us, regardless of whether we admit it or not, we judge people, we look at people, and we make judgment calls on what we think they're like. So we're going to look at that a little bit as well today. But before we do, you just heard the reading in Mark, but there's a chorus that that, sort of verse, that song reminds me of, or that reading, sorry, reminds me of. God's attributes, or Jesus' attributes, and it's the following. Shout for joy and sing your praises to the King. Lift your voice high, let your hallelujahs ring. Come before his throne to worship and adore. Enter joyfully now the presence of the Lord. Why? Because he is my creator. He is my deliverer. He's my redeemer. He's Lord. And he's my healer. He's my provider. He's my shepherd and my guide. Jesus, Lord and King, I worship you. Hopefully, by the end of the day, you'll be able to see that. And you will realize too that God is all those things to you. Right, so I was going to read the scriptures at this point, but Laura's already done that for me, so there's no need. Home, if you have one, can be a wonderful place. After a long week's work, I come in and shut the door leaving the week's worries and problems, the demands of others on my life outside. It is time to rest and relax, dealing only with myself and those I love. A short time of sanctuary and rest, a wonderful time of peace and serenity, a chance to recharge, ready to face the next load of problems. Jesus, however, had no such chance. In the passage we read that he entered Capernaum after a time of preaching, teaching and healing in the area around Galilee. A rest would have been wonderful, but there was something about this man Jesus. People were attracted to him. I lost myself again. There we go. We know from Isaiah 53 that it was not his outward appearance. So what is it that caused people to want to be with this man? Mark chapter 1 verses 27 to 28 tell us, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And verses 30, 43 and 45 of the same chapter. After Jesus heals the man with leprosy, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet, the people still came to him from everywhere. Jesus' fame, the kindness he showed to all those who came to him, the way he not only saw their troubles, but dealt with them, 
the kindness and compassion that he had already shown, the authority with which he spoke. These were the things that were attracting people to Jesus. They wanted what he had to give. It was because of this that Jesus could not go anywhere without people finding out where he was and immediately going to seek him out. So here was Jesus in a house that was packed with people. Jesus could see their need, and being full of kindness, tenderness, and compassion, he could not turn them away. He was already their provider, their shepherd, and their guide. But there is so much more about this man, Jesus. As Jesus was preaching the word to them, cracks started to appear in the ceiling. Dust started to fall, and eventually a hole was made. I wonder how long it was before people began to notice, how long it was before they were distracted from what Jesus was saying. It soon became obvious, however, that they needed to make room because there was a man being lowered down from the roof. He was going to land right in front of Jesus. Verse 5 of Mark chapter 2 tells us, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. There was a lot that can be seen about Jesus in this small sentence. Jesus, at some point, must have looked up at the men on the roof. We are told, when Jesus saw their faith. Faith is described as being confidence or trust in a person, belief or thing. But it really must be followed by some form of action. The men had faith that this man Jesus could do something for their friend. And because of this, they went to great lengths to ensure that their friend was placed right in front of Jesus. Jesus saw what they did and what they believed he could do, and they were not to be disappointed. Jesus looked at the paralyzed man and said, Son, this was not said in the way a headmaster might talk to an errant child, or how a policeman might address a criminal. Jesus was a man full of love and compassion for the people he came into contact with. He can see right into the heart and mind. It was with love and compassion that he said the word, Son. If you're beginning to wonder why I've mentioned love and compassion so many times already this morning, you will soon find out why. Jesus was a man full of love and compassion for the people he came into contact with. He can see right into the heart and mind. It was with love and compassion that he said the word, Son. It was also a form of ownership, an intimacy, an adoption. Somebody who was lost was about to return to the ownership of God, the creator of all things. Jesus here is speaking with the authority of God, his father, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And indeed, at that very moment, the paralyzed man's sins were forgiven. This was a statement of fact, not an offer. Jesus knew the heart and mind of the man laying before him, and his sins were forgiven. As in so many other instances recorded in the Bible, there were teachers of the law present, They did not like what they had heard. It did not fit with what they knew to be right. Verses 6 and 7 tell us, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, 
thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? These law keepers would have known there was a Messiah to come. They had all the facts laid out before them. They would have learned the scriptures from a very young age, but they could not see the Messiah, the man standing before them. Jesus, however, knew what was on their hearts. Verse 8 tells us, Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Did they need any more proof that this man was connected to God? That he could see right into their hearts? That he knew exactly what they were thinking? Verse 9. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take up your mat, and walk. Here Jesus once again declares his authority over sin and also over sickness. He is openly declaring that he is their Redeemer, Lord, and Healer. Verse 10 continues with, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. This shows us his humanity, his current status as a human being. He wants everyone to know that he has authority on earth to forgive sins. It's as simple as that. The law keepers have been shown a clear and simple picture, and what a wonderful change there could have been for them if only they had asked for his forgiveness too. Verse 11, Jesus says to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. The man needed no further encouragement, as verse 12 tells us. He got up, took up his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Right, now, here comes the interesting bit. I've got a test for you all, and for myself. It's very important that you do take part in this test, and you'll find out why. There are a number of us in this room, and many of us know each other fairly well. I want you to pick somebody in the room you know. It can be anybody. For 30 seconds, I want you to think about that person. What do you see? Be honest. I will not be asking what you thought, and I won't be asking you for answers. So there we go. You've 30 seconds now to think about somebody in the room. Time's up. Do you know that while you were thinking, 
God was looking into your heart. God knows what you were thinking about. Did you think about anyone else other than yourself? I did say that you could think about anybody in the room. That does include yourself. If you did think about somebody else, were they happy and good thoughts? If they were happy and good thoughts, God bless you. That's absolutely wonderful. Did you think about yourself? If anybody thought about themselves and there was something that they were not happy with, this is my prayer for you. There's no judgment. This is my prayer for you. May God grant the desires of your heart and make you into the person he wants you to be. If you've not made a decision yet to follow Jesus, please do not look at people who claim to be Christian. Far too often, you'll be disappointed. None of us are perfect. Look to Jesus. He knows your heart and thoughts. He loves you, and he wants you to be his. If you are a Christian, then consider this. Jesus was a man whose thoughts, words, and actions attracted people to him. They were drawn to him. His life painted a picture of one who loved tenderly, cared beyond human reasoning. He always wanted to meet people at the point they were in life and deal with their situation, always with the aim that they would come to know him as Lord and Saviour. There's so much in this world at the moment about identity. Everybody needs to belong to a group. But let me tell you this. This has been happening in the church for years and years and years. I've got a list for you here. Do you consider yourselves to be angelic Anglicans, brilliant Baptists, exemplary evangelicals, magnificent Methodists, perfect Pentecostals, super special salvationists, or any other superlative Christian type? Well... Jesus was none of these things, yet if you were to select all the good points from each, you would come pretty close to being like Jesus. Our job here on earth is to point others to Jesus. To do that, we must be as like him as possible. We are called to be conformed to the image of Jesus, just as Jesus saw people's needs and met them we ourselves must try to do the same. The church is, and always has been, responsible not just for people's spiritual needs, but for their physical needs, but also for their social and their economic needs. The last part of verse 12 says, we have never seen anything like this. This was a declaration of wonder and joy. This was something they had never seen before. This for us could be the same. Or it could be a cry, we've never seen anything like this. Or we have seen it, but it was a long time ago. Think back to that little test. What did you think about? What does it tell you about yourself? The man in the story got up took up his bed and walked. This is a good picture of what we should do when we come to Christ. I asked myself, 
How far have I walked since that day I first met with Jesus? You must ask yourself the same. What does Jesus see when he looks in my heart and mind? What does Jesus see when he looks in yours? Am I just a Sunday Christian? Or does Jesus shine through in everything I do? Ask yourself the same question. If during that test you did absolutely nothing, here is a word for you from Edmund Burke. He said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. There's a real challenge. If, you, if I and you want to see God doing good things and extending his kingdom here in Pontypris, we must become more like Jesus. James Orr wrote the following words. I'm going to read them to you first of all, and if you can agree with them, I would like you to stand, and we will read them all together. So I read them through first of all. They are the following. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Lord, and know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where once I burned with shame. Grant my desire to magnify thy name. Lord, take my life and make it holy line. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self and pride. I now surrender. Lord, in me abide. O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival, start the work in me. Thy word declares thou wilt supply our need. For blessing now, O Lord, I humbly plead. Now, if you can... If you really want to, please stand with me or sit, doesn't matter which, and say these words together. Okay. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Lord, and know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where once I burned with shame. Grant my desire to magnify thy name. Lord, take my life and make it wholly thine. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self, and pride. I now surrender, Lord, in me abide. O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send the revival, start the work in me. Thy word declares thou wilt supply our need. For blessings now, O Lord... I humbly plead. Please take your seats again.
Of course, it's all fine and dandy having stood up and said that. But if you said that, you just made a promise to God. And you must follow through with that promise every single waking hour of your life. Here's a little pointer. It takes only a second when you're thinking about saying something or doing something or not saying something or not doing something to think, should I be saying or doing what I'm doing? It takes just a moment of your life. If you say or do or don't say or do what you're not supposed to do, you will spend so much more of your life regretting that you didn't do and didn't say or did do and did say than you would have if you thought about it beforehand. God bless you all. Amen.